Welcome to episode four of the Upper Bowl GM podcast. My name is Nick Zararis, and I am here with three of my very good friends to talk about the New York Mets. But before we get down to the fun, got to remind everyone, you can subscribe, leave a review if you're feeling kind, on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. More stuff will be coming on YouTube this week. I've been working on something about Daniel Jones and his passing mechanics and why he probably isn't the guy going forward, but enough, enough football, enough. The good times are coming for the Mets. We're going to get to it in a minute, but just to set the scene a little bit, this is a, I can't even say a storied franchise. The Mets don't really have a good history. They have like six good years and 60 years of existence, but they're, this is an important franchise. They play in the biggest media market in the country. New York has always been a National League baseball city. And going back to the giant, the Giants and Dodgers being here, there were still people alive in their 60s and 70s who remember the Dodgers being in Brooklyn, and they still cling to the Mets. And it's one of the reasons City Field is more of an ode to the Brooklyn Dodgers than actually the New York Mets. But those awful, awful men are gone. Fred and Jeff Wilpon are not going to be ruining our lives anymore. See you guys on the other side of the drop. Three and two to Mookie Wilson. Little roller up along first. Behind the back. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight and the Mets win it. And with that, I bring in a nice, nice group of guests for today's show. First, I'm going to throw it over to someone making his second appearance on the podcast already my friend chris schweitzer how are you doing chris i'm doing all right how are you doing today sir i'm very excited to have you guys here and then making their respective debuts a pair of met jet fans so when the jets episode does come in a few weeks both of these gentlemen will be there phony sean how we doing boys whoever wants to jump in first uh i mean I guess feeling optimistic about the Mets, but we also still have to see if they're going to be, you know, the same old Mets or actually move on from what they used to be. So I guess fairly optimistic about them. How about you, Sean? Scaredly optimistic, if that's a word. That's a good way to put it. I think a nervous sense of optimism. I think that's a perfect way to put based on everything the Mets have put everyone through over the last 10 to 15 years being nervously optimistic is a good place to be so i've got a running list here of about 20 different things the will ponds have done in their ownership tenure just not that don't that reflect why the team has been bad for so long when we look around sports the teams that are just chronic systemic failures it's often because the owners just don't know what they're doing, or in the case of the Mets, they're too involved in the process. In, the pro- in doing research for this podcast, I went through, and I don't know if you guys remember the Good Fundies blog. The guy who ran it's a lawyer now, so he hasn't written about baseball in a while, but he put together a compilation of just news, news articles about dumb things the Wilpons have done, and it was very helpful in putting this together, so shout out, Brian. So starting off, I have here, just in big letters, they hire hacks. So basically, when we think about the Wilpons and the managers and general managers they hire, they hire stooges. They hire people they can put the blame on to deflect from themselves. When we think about the Mets, you think, look about the managers they've had. 
they had Terry Collins forever. Terry Collins has like the second most wins as a Met manager somehow, even though the Mets are winning like 70 games a year when he was manager most of his time. You think about the GMs they've had where they made Sandy Alderson like quit his job, even though he was kind of doing an okay job at it. They've had Brody the last two and a half years who just has no idea what he's doing. When you think about the Mets problems, I'm going to, don't worry, I'll pick, I'll start throwing it to each of you individually. So it doesn't turn into everyone talking over each other. But when we talk about the Mets, what do you think, aside from obviously the ownership problem, where do you think the problems are, or where do you think the problems were over the last 10 to 15 years? I'll start with you, Boney. Uh, I think it's pretty simple, but probably the training staff, if we're <laughs> going to be completely honest. Because <laughs> if you think about the team, like, Every year, we always say, if we're healthy, we're a good team. And they've never really been healthy. Uh, like, all of our stars just seem to, you know, kind of fade away towards the end of the season or a chunk in the middle of the season. And by the time they come back, yeah, we might make a late push. But by that point, it's, you know, the season's basically kind of over. So if we're not going upper management, like owner, I would probably go training stuff. That's a very good point. I mean, the litany of stupid injuries the Mets have had in their history because they always push people back from the injured list too soon to get them back because Fred and Jeff want to sell tickets, so they need their starting pitchers ready to go. One of the things I found in here was that in 2005, they made Pedro pitch with, like, a bum big toe because they wanted to sell tickets because they were playing the Marlins on a Sunday and Dontrell Willis was pitching for the Marlins. So they wanted to bill it as Pedro against Dontrell Willis. How about you, Sean? What do you, what, aside from the obvious, what problems linger in your mind about the Mets over the last 10 to 15 years? Something that really opened my eyes this year is just how specifically with Brody is he was, he was getting rid of, promising prospects left and right and it's not just it, it wasn't just Brody it was GMs of past too but they were they always try to do the quick fix instead of the like this like the standard that the like the Marlins are trying right now where they try to build up their farm system get, get rid of bad contracts they instead have done the opposite for as long as I can remember sign these sign these big players that aren't worth it to big contracts they maybe have a good season or maybe two with the team but then they flame out and they trade away. They, uh, what was the, what was the pitcher, the pitcher's name from Houston that we traded that any, any balled out this year for them? Oh, uh, Blake Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. Got uh, him, gave him up for a big old Jake Marisnik. I think he, <laughs> what he played 12 games this season. Yeah. And as a defense, he had a couple home runs. I think he hit one against the Yankees. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is true. That is true. He did. Yeah. I'll wrap it up with you, Chris, for this first point. Biggest problems of the Wilpon era, aside from just their stupidity and being involved, way too involved. I, I don't know if it encompasses, I don't think it encompasses the entire Wilpon era, but I don't, I don't think I can remember a Mets baseball team in the last 15 years that was good defensively. I think that's a pretty big issue. I mean, it's half the game. If you really think about it, I know offense is important and, you know, but having guys that are at least capable of fielding a ground ball and throwing it to first base and not putting it in the stands, I think is pretty important. So, you know, and like I said, I don't, honestly, I don't remember the last time the Mets had a solid defense on the infield or the outfield. And then lately it's been even worse because now they're just, 
straight up playing guys out of position. I mean, they have a first like, baseman and a, they have a first baseman and a third baseman platooning and left. That doesn't <laughs> doesn't add up. It seems like for, for at least the past decade, they're they're um like their plan for defense is just have a bunch of really good pitchers. So they hope that the other team doesn't <laughs> yeah. hit the ball. Yeah, if we strike out, if we strike them out, they can't hit it to our shitty fielders. So that's why we <laughs> lost their Royals. A... Yeah. <laughs> Or if we do have like you know good defenders and stuff, they can't hit for anything. So it's yeah, like too, you yeah. sacrifice a big chunk of our lineup. Like you think of like Juan Lagares or even Ruben Tejada. Like he had a good glove, but you know they Pretty can never really shit. hit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's. I think a lot of what we generally view as just bad decisions are tied to the ownership because the ownership was so heavily involved. I mean, one of the things I have written down here is that Peter Gammons in 2010 said, yeah, Jeff Wilpon is the general manager of the Mets. Sandy, I'm not saying, yeah, Sandy Alderson might be the GM in name, but every single move has to be approved through the ownership. And I think that's why, like Sean was saying about signing these names, instead of actually trying to get good baseball players, they basically do what we do when we play a Madden franchise where it's like, I want that guy. You mean we can get Jay Bruce and it only costs money? I'll take Jay Bruce on the team. You mean we can trade for Robinson Cano? We should go get Robinson Cano. Yeah, that dude was really good in like 2010. <laughs> like, I forget who made the joke, but if you put like the 2017 Mets on the field in like the 2011, team time. you would have Adrian Gonzalez, Jose Reyes. <laughs> that Mets team in 2000, Cano, that Mets team would have been good. <laughs> they click they constantly are just it's why they brought back the corpse of jose reyes they brought reyes back for two years and he hit like 210 the first year he was back and he hit like 170 and they let him play like 110 games hitting 170 because they have irrational clingings to these players who were good a long time ago i mean it's why fred wilpon shielded them from firing kelly Col terry collins like two or three separate times because they were buddy buddy because before the games, Fred's would go, Fred would go sit in the manager's office and just bullshit with Terry. He's like, that's my guy. I don't want you to fire him. When obviously Terry Collins wasn't really, wasn't really doing much. Granted, those Mets teams at the beginning of this decade were horrendous. I mean, when you think about who made it out of that era, I mean, the only one who like went on to have a meaningful career with another team, like Daniel Murphy, Ari Gicke. Am I missing anyone? Turner. Yeah, Justin Turner. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, Turner's Tur been pretty good outside of that. I don't even know. I yeah. can't think of anybody. I don't, I don't think John Mayne's still kicking about anywhere. Maybe maybe he's pitching for the Rockland Boulders. I don't know. But... Shout out Rockland Boulders. <laughs> oh, man. And it, it's the same. And then when they bring in these big name guys and they don't play well, they get pissed at them and treat them like shit. Like what they did with Cespedes, where they just exiled him and told him, all right, you're not going to play. Go to Florida. Go work out at our single A stadium. Don't you want to like pay attention to what the guy you're paying twenty five million dollars a year is doing in rehab? Wouldn't you like to have him under like almost daily supervision instead of just letting him chill on a ranch in Florida, chasing pigs around? <laughs> <laughs> Again, that's something that only happens to the Mets. That is the kind of thing that only happens to the Mets, where stupid shit. Like, who was it that got Valley Fever? Was that Ike Davis? <laughs> got yellow valley fever what was, 
Matt what was the thing that Matt? Hard. Yeah, the, the, the Matt, Matt Harvey, Harvey got because he was pissing too much. Yeah, yeah they said <laughs> they said he couldn't pee. Yeah, yeah. so they, yeah. <laughs> he had a UTI. He was holding but, in his pee. Yeah, so wasn't no something. was didn't that happen after the uh, the off day they had in Miami? Yeah, where the team yeah. flew to Cincinnati. The team flew to Cincinnati, and he was like, "Nah, guys, we have an off day tomorrow. I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay a night in Miami." <laughs> I was back with a UTI. That's. Oh, no, they just bungled Matt Harvey's Matt Harvey's potential <laughs> Hall of Fame career out of baseball. Matt Harvey cannot hold a job in like Triple A baseball right now because of how badly the Mets managed his. I health. think he I think he pitched like ten innings for the Royals this year. I do remember seeing him coming. Uh, I think he gave up. I think he gave up fifteen runs in those ten innings, but you know <laughs> he pitched ten innings in Major League Baseball this season, so it's something. It's it's so depressing. Because Matt Harvey was electric when he first came into the league. You guys remember that game he pitched with the bloody nose with the fattest lip I've ever seen packed? <laughs> he came in and he actually, like, you know, took pride in being a Met and being like, all right, we can only score two runs a game. I'm only going to give up one and I'm going to have to pitch nine innings, but I'll try and do it. And that's the thing that really is infuriating because the guys the Mets bring up, brought or have brought up, have talent and they've never really managed talent well you think about all the guys they've bungled this decade think about how long it took for conforto to get established in the lineup how long it took them to give dom smith a chance to play the, how long it took them to give nimmo a chance to play you think about the guys they brought in and uh, excuse me the pitchers they've had where aside from Degrom, they've only gotten worse as long as their time has gone by with the bets where Syndergaard came in, first came up, he was electric. Now he's just kind of like, you know, a slightly above average pitcher. Mats is hopeless. Wheeler went to the Phillies and got better. I mean, it's one of those things where because the team had no money, because the owners got ran for their phones in a Ponzi scheme, I mean, they never put any money in anything. They have one of the smallest analytics departments in baseball. They have no infrastructure to speak of. I mean, the AAA team played in Las Vegas for how Vegas. many years? How many years? Because yeah. they were just, they didn't want to maintain the relationship with the team that was in Virginia that was like four hours away instead of being across the country. Yeah. Where if you had an emergency, you couldn't get someone to the team till the next day. I mean, by all means, jump in here if you guys want to. Who wants to kvetch is what I'm saying. Who, who wants first to, to just complain about how tortured they've been but don't all jump at once guys <laughs> uh well i mean there's a lot of woes when it comes to the mets it's kind of hard to like you know pinpoint yeah. one of, yeah but I, I just think hopefully you know since now the will ponds are gone steve cohen's going to be coming in actually should be using you know the budget that he has and building a team that a new york team should build because that's another thing we're in new york and we spend money like you know the brewers. like we're mid-tier yeah like a mid-tier team and it makes no sense whatsoever yeah we're not the yankees but we still have the money to pay people like we are the yankees you know um yeah, and and hopefully you know, bringing in bigger names and stuff will actually relate to success instead of just bringing in, 
you know, 35 year old or however old he is, Albert Pujols or something next in free agency or trading for him and being like, yeah, this guy's our first baseman. This guy's going to, you know, do everything for us. So hopefully the money does lead to success, but, you know, that's something that we have to see. There's not a direct correlation if spending money to success. It helps to spend money because you spend more money, you probably have better players or at least more decent players. I mean, that's not necessarily true. I mean, Clayton Kershaw makes more than the entire Rays lineup, and the Rays are hopefully going to force a Game 7 later tonight. Chris, Sean, either you just want to get one last grievance off your chest before I transition to the next topic? Yeah, the Rays are doing pretty good because they have, I mean, you mentioned before the Mets analytic department's like a couple computer folks throwing (laughs) it back to, to the Giants and Dave Gettleman. I mean, it's probably pretty much all it is. The few guys, I don't know, like with the with the Excel spreadsheet, you know. <laughs> and but, they don't even <laughs> use the analytics guys, which is the problem. They yeah, have the... four guys, and they still go out and make decisions. Like when they brought in Vargas, they're like, "This guy's a contact pitcher. He's not going to be able to strike anyone out." And we put him behind the worst defense in baseball. Maybe we shouldn't have thrown money at a contact pitcher. <laughs> not 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 the not the great. I mean, you don't even need analytics to tell you that <laughs> a bad defense and a ground ball pitcher isn't really. That's kind of just common sense. Same thing with Stroman. Same thing with Stroman, who I hope they bring back. I yeah, me too. They need to bring Stroman back. Yeah, that's um, where the. What well, was I going to say? Yeah, like their analytics. Everyone knows their their analytics department has been very far behind since analytics became a thing. But I was gonna like one of the points I was gonna make is that like yes, Steve Cohen has fourteen billion dollars, so he's the richest owner in baseball. Fourteen billion. 14. <laughs> but. The thing that I think what I don't know if I'm more excited about like him being able to get any anyone who anyone he wants or the fact that he's actually gonna like invest a lot of money into analytics and make the homegrown talent hopefully pan hopefully pan out more so than they did under the under the Wilpons. Yeah, I, I don't want to get too ahead of ahead of ourselves here, but everyone yeah. keeps saying they they want to be the East Coast Dodgers. Now I'm not expecting that right away because the Dodgers are damn good, but if you could just not be silly with the money, <laughs> that would be nice. That'd be nice to see. Like yeah, spend guys... on some young guys instead of you exactly know, thirty plus year olds that. Yeah, you know, they're they're right they're really time. not in a bad spot financially right now. Like the only bad contract they have is Cano, and if I mean I'm not expecting Cano to hit like he did this year, but if he could do that, like they're really only paying half his contract. So you know, because they they got they got the money for half of from, from Seattle, so it's not as bad as it seems. And even then that's the only bad one. I mean, the only, only the guy making money on the roster is DeGrom and he's obviously worth every penny. So I'm not really worried about it, about the money. As long as, they, as long as they spend the money they do have now, right. They spend it smart and they're good. DeGrom has the best contract in baseball. That's the only, that's the only, oh, thing, that's the only thing that we can thank Brody for. Oh yeah. He, he's a steal. He's a oh, steal. He finessed the hell out of that. <laughs> yeah. Shout out. Like that, that just, that just goes to show how stupid Brody is. Yeah, he's made, he's made <laughs> not two just, good not, moves. Not just, not just as a GM, but also, also as DeGrom's agent. Yeah. yeah. I, I, the one last point I wanted to make in this, this area about analytics is you guys remember last year at the trade deadline when they were supposedly shopping Syndergaard and everyone was saying they don't want to trade him to the Astros because they know the Astros oh would make God. him a lot better. That's because that, they, that, that <laughs> pissed me off so much. Oh my god! Spend money to find out what someone's good at. Like the Astros took Garrett Cole, 
and turned him into one of the six to 10 best pitchers in baseball because they were like, your curveball is very good. You should throw it more. It's really not that, again, I say this every single episode, but the point of this podcast is it's really not that hard. If you watch Syndergaard pitch, you know he needs to throw his slider more and not try and blow everyone away with high fastballs because 100 miles an hour isn't hard in baseball anymore. People hit 100 mile an hour pitches. You gotta get. He has people to get don't hit ninety five mile per hour sliders. Yeah, exactly. Something with movement. Like Dustin May hasn't had the best World Series, but his stuff is insane. And I'm sure the Dodgers are gonna help him get better with that stuff instead of what the Mets have done with Syndergaard, where he's been the same pitcher for five years now, and that's why he isn't as good as he was when he first came up. Granted, he's had a few injuries. He had the one year where he really changed his body type and was way too bulky and then hurt himself because he was too bulky. But again, I, I digress. As the great Stephen A. Smith would say, I digress. Go. So transitioning now towards a hopeful future. With the team right now, as it sits, based on what you saw in 60-ish games, how do you feel about the lineup they have? I'll start with you, Sean, because I've started with Boney and Chris in each other's segments. So how do you feel about where they are right now talent-wise? The lineup is good. Like I, th- I, I think th- on, on the offensive side, the lineup's good. You have – I mean, Alonzo obviously didn't have as good of a year as his rookie year, but he's still he, – in a full 162-game season, he's still good for, I would say, at least 30 home runs in around like – 80-ish, 90-ish, even 100-ish RBIs. Conforto arguably had his best season this year. Um, uh, second baseman. What's the second baseman that came up this year? Oh, Jimenez. Uh, Jimenez. Jimenez, Jimenez. Jimenez. Jimenez was a great, like a great surprise, I guess. Yeah, um, definitely. So I, the lineup itself is good, but they like, every team needs improvements. Um, I can see – if they get – if they can start playing better defense but keep around the same lineup that they had this year, then I I see no reason why this team can at least compete – can at least compete for the NL East or, or, or like, the, the or the wild card. Granted, I will say the Braves were very good this the Braves, year. Yeah. But the, the, the Mets could have made – the Mets should have made the playoffs this year. It doesn't Them, help that – it doesn't help that they play in – one of the toughest divisions in baseball, but they, I, I, I think they have the pieces to compete if, if, at least until September for the division. And they should, they, there's no reason why they shouldn't compete for one of the wild card spots next year. That That's a reasonable goal based on what they have. So I'll throw it to you now, Chris, because I know you specifically, you're into baseball, you're up on your prospects and stuff like that. Yes. How do you feel about the roster right now? Uh, I, I, they're not far away. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're really not that far away. And yes, the lineup was incredible this year. I think statistically, I saw on Twitter a couple of days ago, statistically they had one of the best offensive seasons of all time, which is astounding because they finished eight games under 500. Um, you know, maybe in a full season, it would have, it would have evened itself out and they would have been able to make up some time, but still, you know, it, it the offense probably would have faltered a little bit at some point, but the offense is great. You still have to add to it, though, because it's almost like a couple years ago or two years ago, the pitching was phenomenal and they couldn't hit. And that was when the starting pitching was insanely hell. I think they only started six or seven different pitchers yeah. the entire season a couple years ago. 
and nobody thought you had to upgrade the pitching because it was like, oh, these guys were all great last year. It's like you can't expect them to be that healthy again. Like there's no way the starting pitching is going to be that like it just doesn't happen even for the best teams like it doesn't happen like that two years in a row and so the same thing with the offense like the offense is great but you can't expect them to be as good as they were this year so just improve that a little bit more too i mean i'm i'm, I'm assuming a little bit later we might get into some ideas of what wish we want to do this all season exactly a wish list so you know i'll, I'll save i'll save ex- you know the details the specifics for later on but still have to upgrade the 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 offense a little bit and then like sean said too the defensively have to get a lot better agreed i definitely i was pleasantly surprised with the offense this year i gotta say yeah the situational hitting was awful they had one of the best offenses in the league (laughs) and they still led the league in runners left on base they had one of the best offenses in the league and they left the most runners of anyone in the league on base that's the kind of just think about how much better the offense could have been and it was already pretty – it was already really good. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, Bodie, I'll let you wrap up this segment, and then we'll start transitioning towards what we hope to see this offseason because there are a lot of moving parts, especially in baseball's offseason, because we uh, – I'll save it for the next segment, for the introduction to the next segment. So, go ahead, Boney. Uh, well, I've, I think this team, you know, like Chris was saying, not too far away – they definitely have, like like we've been talking about, like statistically, they're one of the best offensive teams, at least last year. Year was a shortened season, but considering how the Mets usually are when it comes to hitting, it's very impressive that they actually, you know, let it, even though it was only, what, 60 games? Yeah. So, yeah. But I, they definitely do need, like, you know, a pure everyday center fielder no more of this rotational like oh yeah let's get a righty lefty defender and just have you know and also our corner outfielders yeah they could hit but they they're not natural outfielders like jd davis and uh um what's his name jeff mcneil when we when we switch him out there dom smith as well (laughs) like all of them are you know not outfielders hopefully the dh could you know still continue i hear that's still up in the air so that's a little concerning i guess because that also could be a reason why we were actually better hitting because we had a guy like dom smith that could actually get into the lineup and prove that you know he should be playing because he's not going to play over pete alonzo and if he plays in left field he's a liability so there's definitely some pieces that they they need like i said uh, a center fielder everyday center fielder um third baseman i feel like they'll be fine with either mcneil or davis um and you know just a catcher that could actually you know call a good game and you know could at least hit and could at least hit like maybe 250 that would be nice (laughs) i guess as long as he could do something right that would be good yeah, we got to get what the Yankees are on where whoever they bring in just magically turns into someone good, like how they brought in Ishikawa, and he was fucking awesome for them this year. Like, they benched Gary Sanchez because Ishikawa was so good for them this year. We, we need to get on, you know, having good analytics departments that can get more out of other guys. Like, I'll – yeah, I'll talk about this real quick right now. But the way the Yankees, the way the Dodgers – well – Whenever someone goes, or the Astros up until we found out they were cheating, went to those teams, they got better. Think about the value the Yankees got from Luke Voigt, who is a cast-off. They got from 
LeMahieu, who was Urshela, who was a cast off from Cleveland. LeMahieu, who went from being a good average hitter to like one of the 10, 15 best players in baseball over the last two years. Aaron Hicks, who's pretty damn good. How when he's been healthy, they turn Judge from a 220 strikeout machine to really good baseball player where because they go into a strong setup, a strong system, strong infrastructure, they perform. They get results out of lesser players because the system is strong, which is I know what everyone just said in that segment is we hope that because they're going to invest money, not just in players and infrastructure, it'll help make the bad parts of the team just a little bit less bad. And that margin of error is enough. Baseball is a long season. You lose four or five less games, you make the playoffs. You lose four or five less games just on the margins of fixing mistakes. So now I bring it to the fun part where we get to talk about crazy shit they should do this offseason or in the next year or two. Because like Chris said before, not a lot of bad contracts. They've got pieces that are interesting to move at positions where they have a surplus, where you could potentially move someone like a McNeil someone like a J.D. Davis, someone like a Dom Smith to get a position of need, to get a real center fielder, to get a real catcher, to get another pitcher. Or maybe they just say, fuck it, we want George Springer, here's 200 million. Whoever would like, you know what, Sean, start us off. What, if I gave you, I don't want to say a blank check, but within reason, what is something out there you want? Whether it's Lindor, George Springer, whatever you want to talk about. I want Trevor Bauer. Okay. <laughs> That's that, who I want. That, no, I would... my, I would say I want like st- another starting pitcher. Yeah, I think is like for me, at least number one on like the to-do list. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Center fielder is number two. And then, so like what I was thinking that they should do is I would be like, I'd be more than thrilled if they were sign sign uh, Tr- Trevor Bauer to, if he continues taking his one year deals and <laughs> give him, give him, give him 50 million for all I care. <laughs> um, sign him, sign Springer to like, a re- like you, you, you're going to need to give him money, but like a lot of people, a lot of Mets fans want Rayo Muto, but if Rayo Muto is asked for $200 million, I'd rather them just sign Mc- McCann from uh the, the White Sox, yeah, because yeah. he's a he's a plus defender, and and if he can hit around like two fifty, that's that's all like, you need. Yeah, that's all you really need from your catcher. Like anything, like he he would he would be an immediate upgrade over um, uh, Ramos. Oh, I I want Chris to complain about Wilson Ramos. Please get me started. I'm going to throw it to Chris. Please. I hate. Please. please, I I'm sure Wilson Ramos <laughs> is a nice guy. But He's a buffalo. when you're when you're when you're simultaneously the slowest player in baseball and hit exclusively ground balls, that's just not a <laughs> recipe for success. And I absolutely hate Wilson Ramos for it. And not only that, he doesn't catch well. They don't like throwing to him. They'd rather throw to Tomas Nito. But you gave Wilson Ramos twelve million dollars a year or whatever. I cannot wait for the day Wilson Ramos his option gets bought out this season and he's off the Mets. I'm so excited for that. So would you put catcher ahead of center fielder in your priority list? Um, I, I, I don't think it's, I think my top priority for me is starting pitcher. Absolutely. Um, that's my thing. And honestly, honestly, I know Bowers like the big guy. I honestly think it's more important to just bring back. I think Stroman. bringing back Stroman, I think is, I think he'd be better 
And with a couple other moves I want to make, I think his whole ground most, I mean, not, he, he strikes out like 180 guys over the, the course of a full season. So he's not, not a strikeout guy by any means, but he's definitely more of a ground ball pitcher than Bauer is. But I think in my, the, the idea I have for the team next year, I'm comfortable having a ground ball pitcher with the, with the Mets defense I want to put behind him. So I'm, I think Stroman's got to be the guy you bring back. I think I'm hoping he'd be, he'll be cheaper than Bauer. And I think he'll be just as good, um, especially for the Mets. And then it'd probably go, then it'd probably go catcher and then, or maybe, maybe then it'd go center field and then, and then catcher. So you hey, think why not do all four? <laughs> I, yeah. Why not to get everybody? Get the money of, now. There's a lot of moving parts we have to consider. The one thing I was going to bring up for this segment was, I don't know if you guys have paid a ton of attention to the hockey offseason, but pretty much every single free agent got a lot less than they would have gotten in a pre-COVID TV market because the money is – everyone is nervous that there aren't going to be fans again for most of next season, if not all of next season. So since that's such a significant part of the revenue, a lot of guys had to take less money in free agency, which is something we could be looking at in baseball where – a lot of guys might just roll the dice and say, I'll take a one or two year deal now, pay me a lot up front, and we'll see how things are in a year or two. Does that change your opinion at all of what they should be looking to do if, say, a team needs to unload a contract or there are free agents out there who are only willing to do a one or two year deal because of the way money is going to be? Where someone like Steve Cohen, it probably I don't want to speak for Steve Cohen because I don't look, I don't know what his checkbook looks like, but realistically, he shouldn't be having as much. He shouldn't be as worried about the revenue of, oh no, we don't have forty thousand people at City Field every every other day. Do you think that that's going to be an issue in baseball, as it was in hockey, as and it's probably going to be in basketball, and as it was in the football offseason where it took until like the week before the season for some guys to get picked up. I, yeah, I, I think it could be an issue. I mean, it's not – a slow-played MLB offseason would not be anything bizarre for us. I mean, what, two years ago when Bryce Harper and Manny Machado both hit for agency at 26, you know, being – Bryce Harper being a former MVP, they didn't sign until spring training – or pretty much spring training, I said. They didn't sign until, like, February or March. Um, so – or I think – they, they might have signed late January. But still, I, I – we, we've definitely seen the last few years – a slow played MLB off season. And that was before COVID, you know, obviously before COVID and last off season, it was very different. It went, everything went pretty fast. The big guys came off the board, you know, Garrett Cole, um, Cole came, you know, he, he signed during winter meetings, which we hadn't seen in a while, a big guy go winter meetings, but I, I wouldn't be shocked to see it go back to the way it was before last year, where it's very slow played teams wait out guys. They, they, you know, they, they'll wait, they'll gladly wait until pitchers and catchers report um, to spring training to make a guy a legit offer because they don't want to pay what the player wants. I, I could totally see that happening. And honestly, speaking of Stroman, I don't even, I don't even know if the Mets are going to have to make the decision because assuming they put, um, assuming they, they, they tag him with a qualifying offer, which I hope they do. He might just accept that anyways. Cause I think it's 18 mil for the one year. So he might just accept that. And then they don't have to make a decision on whether they want to bring him back. So, so, this next part, because we talked about the lineup is in decent shape, rotation-wise. You're assuming Syndergaard's back, ready to go. He's your two. We're all, we all seem to be in agreement on bringing Stroman back to be the number three. 
are there any other pitchers you can think that are out there for back of the rotation? We assume well, I, Mats is coming back again. Well, how there, do you feel about uh, Peterson as like the number four or five? He was fine. I don't know. You definitely need one more arm. Yeah, I yeah, think. yeah. I, th- I Peter- mean, go ahead. Go. Sorry. There you go. Okay. <laughs> well, Peter- Peterson was good. Peterson was good. Um, and I, I'm not, I'm by no means an expert on advanced analytics, but I do think that he was performing better than he was supposed to. So I think there's, there's probably going to be, cause he pitched pretty, pretty, you know, damn well this season, but I think there's probably going to be a regression out of Peterson, but you know where you're going to get the, from the Grom, the, the way I'm kind of piecing together the, the lineup, the starting pitching right now, I have the Grom, Lugo, Mats, and Peterson as the four. Um, I don't know when Syndergaard's going to come back, if at all this year. And then I'm just, Obviously, Showman is going to be a free agent at some point. Um, so in my mind, you only need one. And if you want to move Matt to the bullpen, you need two. But uh, I, yeah, P- Peterson's certainly fine. He's definitely in the rotation as of right now. He, he didn't do anything last year to not earn a spot in the rotation this year, especially with how much, I guess, they need at that, you know, in, in the starting pitching rotation. So Peterson's definitely good. What do you think, Boney? Where do you think – what do you think? Back of the rotation arm, one extra guy, you, something along those lines, or you got to at least bring one more guy in because the five, six arms they have that could potentially start are okay. But like we said before, it's the Mets. We don't know how things are going to turn out. What do you think? I think that they should definitely go after a top guy. I mean, you have some top pitchers that are, you know, available this free agency. And if Cohen, you know, does what he's been known to do uh, prior to owning a baseball team, which is spend a ridiculous amount of money on, you know, anything he wants. Hopefully that would be to sure up, you know, our bullpen or even our starting rotation and just getting, you know, some of the big guys out there uh, to actually help us help that offense out. If they could actually continue on, you know, the very way. <laughs> yeah. Cause it, it, it's a very, it's a fragile. This was very tricky. It's a fragile tripod where you got the offense, the bullpen, and the rotation. And each of the last two years, one of the legs has fucked the rest up. The bullpen, the last two years, has been horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. And that's where I wanted to transition the conversation towards what do you do in a bullpen like this where you really don't know what Diaz is because you don't have guys who are actually good at, you know, evaluating talent. You've got someone like Lugo who's shown the ability to be a good eighth inning guy, but he might have more value to you as a starter. Gesellman was awful this past season. Who am I missing? Justin Wilson was okay. Yeah, Chase and Shreve pitched pretty well when he was there. <laughs> he was, he was in. Surprisingly, yeah. <laughs> He wasn't the, yeah. I, I, I was kind of, I figured he'd be like, I was like, you kidding me? They brought in chasing Shreve. This guy's he, he actually, he wasn't that bad. I thought he was the one that gave ever that gave the Mets Corona because he just looks like a dirty dude. He, he does look, yeah. He, he, yeah. He doesn't like the cleanest, but he was, he was pretty good. Chasing Shreve was pretty good. I think they brought in, they got Miguel Casher from the Orioles at the trade deadline. He was, he was pretty decent. I think he's young and he throws really hard. Um, he pitched better with the Mets with the Orioles, and then they also have Familia. They got a Familia back, also. Yeah, Obviously, nice. he was pretty. He was pretty bad. He was. They brought him in as a setup man for Diaz, and then I. I don't. I think every time I saw him pitch 
in the last 20 games of the season, it was it was in like the fifth inning. So they're just throwing him out there like first guy out of the pen. They just they, they need, innings. Yeah, they need somebody to, to to get, you know, a couple innings to get to, you know, to get to Diaz or to get to Shreve or to get to Jared Hughes was pretty decent as well, but he's a free agent. So yeah, I mean I'm not expecting much out of Familia. So when we're thinking about where the Mets potentially can go as soon as next year. We're all in the same. We're all in agreement that they should at least be in the mix for the division, but definitely a wild card team, just based on yeah. the talent they have. Anyone 100%. disagree? Yes, they okay. should. <laughs> yeah, granted, of course. Now the next two parts are pretty straightforward. Do you think they're going to bring Rojas back? I'll start with you, Bodie. Uh, I think they might bring him back for one more year. You know, because. I, I mean, the players seem to like him, even though, like, some of his uh, – all these bullpen situations have, you know, not always been the greatest. Like, it's just bringing in guys that, you know, should not have been brought in in these si- certain situations that kind of cost us ball games. Uh, but, I mean, he's he's known to have success – have had success with, you know, the minor leagues. He brought up a lot of these players that are on the team right now so I think he probably deserves at least one more year, kind of see like how everything goes, especially since we're assuming the budget's going to be expanded, get a lot of better players, build around the team, see how he does with that. If he can't manage this, then, you know, he shouldn't be managing the team. Gotcha. What about you, Sean? Do you think they're going to bring him back? Or should, better question, should they bring him back? Um... um... I I would say they sh- uh, it's it's hard to say if they should. I will say I think they will mainly because how long how long was he in the Mets organization before before he becoming yeah so and so Sandy must know him if he was in the organization Sandy must like him because San, uh, Sandy's going to be the new president of the team so I think that's like a, I think that's that's why I think I I think they're going to keep him like yes he had his he had his issues last year with the bullpen with some lineup decisions and whatnot, but it was also his first time managing. Like, like the, the guy was, the guy was a man, a minor league uh, baseball manager for eight years. So I, 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 I'm assuming he knows baseball. And I was actually, I was actually more happy that, uh, that they fired Beltron and hired him instead because they just hired, like they, they hired Beltron because he was just like, Oh, former Met. So I would give him another, I would give him another chance um, with hopefully better lineup, better bullpen, better uh, rotation, and just see where it goes next year. And if and if next year he's making the same decisions or the Mets are a sub five hundred team, then that then you should get rid of him. Right. And there's and also oh, sorry, but okay. there's also like there's also I can't think of any like any potential candidates out there that really blow me away. You don't want Hinch or Cora. Uh, see, like, I was gonna bring this up next segment, but uh, uh, now that I brought it up, I, any of you freaked out by the potential of just saying "fuck it"? We want the best manager that's out there, which is either Hinch or Cora. Well, considering we hired a guy that played under them and then instantly fired him, even though he's been exonerated of any wrongdoing, uh, it probably isn't the best idea to bring in one of those guys. Uh, Considering the New York media would probably eat them up like immediately, 
but I mean, they are good managers, even though they've had, you know, the past of, I mean, it's very bad for baseball, that whole cheating scandal, but I feel like that they are solid managers that would be good for the team. But considering that we fired a guy before he even played, I mean, before he even managed a game for the Mets that was involved with that whole situation, it probably wouldn't be the best idea. I'd say Kinch, I wouldn't take Cora. Any particular reason? Uh, like, if I remember correctly, wasn't Cora like one of like one of like the ringleaders for it? And like Hinch, like Hinch knew about it, but he didn't really do anything to stop it, kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. AJ Hinch was the um, Joe Paterno of the situation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Chris, because I, I, um, your face lit up when I mentioned AJ Hinch. Like, ooh, I just do that. I just thought it was. So I mean, I, I I like AJ Hinch, but it probably wouldn't be the best best optics to yeah. to bring one of those guys in. We, um, they're both going to get jobs in baseball again. Oh yeah, they will. They will. I mean, Corey's probably going back to the Red Sox <laughs> now. What they fired Renicky. Yeah. So I, the Corey's probably, and I, I think he was, he was cleared of any wrong. He didn't do anything technically wrong, quote unquote wrong, with the Red Sox. I think his whole punishment was from what he did with the Astros. Yeah. Um. Uh. And yes, Beltran did mess up with the Astros too, but he was a player at the time, so he couldn't get punished. Um. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I'm assuming Corey's going back to the Red Sox and Hinch. I, I mean, with what Dusty Baker did with the Astros this year, I doubt they're going to get rid of Dusty Baker. But yeah, I don't know. I saw Detroit I, I, as a landing spot for yeah, Hinch. Yeah, I saw the Hinch, and then they interview him. I don't know if I, they interviewed him or not. I, I don't. I don't know if they've even. They, they, they might have interviewed him. I know the White Sox were talking about him too, and then the White Sox were like, "No, actually, maybe we should hire Tony Larusa." Eighty-two-year-old Tony Larusa. <laughs> what? What? The last time I, I know he wouldn't be the GM. I hope not. I know he wouldn't. In, in Chicago, but the last time Tony LaRusso was running a baseball team, he traded Dansby Swanson for for Shelby Miller. So, um, <laughs> Dansby Swanson, he drafted number one overall like three months prior to that, and then he traded them, him and Ender Inciarte for Shelby Miller. So, thanks, thanks, Tony LaRusso, for screwing the Mets because they're just Mets killers, those two guys. And Ender, Ender Inciarte sucks. And then when he plays the Mets, he's like Mike Trout out there. Um, but yeah, I, you know, back back on the topic. I, I Hinch would probably be better off going to like Chicago or yeah, the White Sox. It, it it'd be nice. He is a good manager, but I don't know if I, it wouldn't, like you said, I don't think it'd be the best optics for the Mets to do it. And going back to Rojas, I don't think, I don't like, it, it's, it's tough to fire after one year and yes, he, he made some mistakes, but you hope with a better analytical department and you know, it, it's an easier decision. You know, every, every day you're just going to throw Lindor in the lineup because they're going to trade for Lindor. So it's, <laughs> that's an easy decision to make anybody. I can make that decision. I'll throw Lindor at shortstop and he's hitting second. That's, Chris, you know, do you have easy like a, decision. Do you have like a trade machine window open? Is that what I'm seeing? In the I do. Yeah. I have a great site. Uh, Baseballtradevalues.com. It's fantastic. I'm going to write uh, so that what down. Do got, what do you, what do you got right now for Lindor? Uh, I, I didn't come up with this one. I saw this online, but it checked out on baseballtradevalues.com. So. I'm, I'm, I'm down with it. Um, I feel like the Mets might have to give up a little more, but right now it's Mets are giving up Rosario, J.D. Davis, and Brett Beatty for Lindor. And I'm perfectly okay with that because then up. you throw Lindor at short, you move Jimenez over to third, you get whoever at second base, and then you know either Alonzo or Smith at first. That's a pretty good defense with Jimenez at third, Lindor at, at short. Those are – I mean, Lindor's already been – he's, I think, a two- or three-time Gold Glove winner. For, Jimenez has – he, I mean, he looks the part of a gold glover, so he can do that at third base. 
Um, yeah, McNeil at second would work. McNeil at second would work, or if you know if they can find a way to get Guillaume more time at second base, I mean that'd be a damn good, uh, you know, defensive infield right there that can hit pretty well too. So I would be I would be all for that. Do you think the upgrade from Lindor to Rosario is that dramatic? Yes. Okay. I'm I'm a big Rosario guy. I mean, he was the number one prospect in baseball when they brought him up, and I like the guy. I still think he's going to be like – he hasn't hit his stride with the Mets. I do think he's going to flourish somewhere else if they trade him, and they probably will. Um, but I think – Lindor isn't as good as Mookie Betts, but the opportunity that the Dodgers had last offseason when they traded for Mookie Betts, I think this is the opportunity that the Mets are getting right now. And you cannot, I don't think you can, you can pass up on this opportunity. I don't think with a player as good as Lindor, he's, he's a top 10 player. He's definitely, he's a top five shortstop, maybe top 10 player in baseball. If you get an opportunity to trade for him, you have to do it because guys like him don't hit for agency. They just, what like, the Indians are going to trade him because he's too good to just let, let walk for nothing. And whoever trades for him is going to sign him. So you have to be the team that trade for him because realistically there was like, obviously there was no way Mookie, we all thought Mookie Betts was going to hit for agency, but obviously there's no way the Dodgers could trade, trade for him and then let him, let him walk. Cause he was so damn good. That, that was sad when he resigned, but we all knew it was going to happen. Yeah. I was enjoying uh, those yeah. Mookie Betts photoshops in a Met jersey. That was a fun <laughs> two weeks on Twitter. That was a fun two oh, weeks I, on Twitter. I got the Lindor ones lined up. Oh, I, I, I probably, I probably shouldn't. I'm probably getting too ahead of myself. It's probably the, the Knicks fan in me reach, you know, <laughs> squeaking out a little bit. But I, I got them. I got them in there. I got the Springer photoshops. I got the Lindor. I got the Real Muto just in case. I don't know if I want them anymore, but I got them already. So the last thing I wanted to talk about was who in the division going forward worries you the most? Atlanta, right? It has to be. Gotta Atlanta, be too. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're obviously, I mean, they made the, they were a couple lots away from the world series this year and it's not like they're old. Their only semi old player is Freddie Freeman. And he's probably going to win MVP this year. Yeah, yeah. He's probably going to win MVP this year. He at least should win MVP. And then Acuna is like 22. Albies is like 23. They're paying them both. Austin Riley was, Exactly. Yeah. Danzy Johnson's like 25, you know, I mean, they have, they have a really good team. They have, I mean, when, um, who was the starting pitcher for them though? I, I keep forgetting his name. The one that went, it was, um, cause Freed and Anderson were really good this year. And then who was the guy at the start of the, why can't, start of the year? I know who you're talking about. Why can't I, I can't he, cause he was the ace coming into this season and this then he went radio. down. Yeah, I know. Right. He, he, he went down and everyone was like, Oh, the Braves season or oh. like they're starting pitching done because Tehran? Like, yeah, it was it was a Tehran? No, 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 no. Tehran's on. Uh, he's on. I think he's in the Angels now. I'm I'm so annoyed. I keep forgetting this guy's name, and I should have I should have like had this ready to go. Um, Soroka. Type in Atlanta Braves starting. Oh pitcher. yeah, Soroka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was the was ace really coming into the season. Year. Yeah, and yeah. He Braves... was the ace coming into the season. He got hurt, and then everyone was like, "Oh, the rate of the Braves starting rotation is going to be in shambles now because." Like their ace is gone, and then Max Reed was phenomenal, and Ian Anderson came up, you know, halfway through the season, and he was great too. So, you know, they're they're in they're in pretty good shape. I'm I'm picturing an NLDS where it's Degrom against Soroka, Freed against Syndergaard, and then Anderson against Stroman. And I'm thinking, I actually kind of like the match chances in that universe. That's- that's the dream. Yeah, with, with Frankie Lindor and, and Dom <laughs> Smith back-to-back, two, three in a lineup, we're, we're cooking. Hopefully Pete Alonso can remember how to hit for contact exactly. again and not, like, throw out his shoulder every time he swings. <laughs> uh, 
gentlemen, last question before we move on. It is this day next year, 2021. It is October. We'll be in the city. We'll be in the city for the parade. I don't know, man. Do you think Cuomo's going to let us? <laughs> <Nah. laughs> what I'll we'll go one at a time because I'll give a prediction on this too. Where do you think the Mets finish, and if they make the playoffs, how far do they get? I'll start with you, Boney. I think realistically. Um... Probably uh, probably the NLCS, I could see them if they do get, you know, these big free agents, if somehow they're convinced to come to the Mets. I mean, money won't be in, uh, a problem. It's just if they actually want to, you know, wear the blue and orange, that's a whole other thing. Um, but I, I think if everything, I don't see them making the World Series, uh, you know, the first year. That's very big. big aspirations coming from a team that didn't even make the playoffs the previous year with one of the best offenses in the uh, MLB. So I could see them, you know, making the playoffs, getting to the NLCS. Who they're playing, I don't know. So kind of what Atlanta was this year? Yeah. They make a little bit of noise. Everyone kind of sees they're going in the right direction and they'll be around for a little bit. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, uh, actually build up a farm system, not just unload it for 37-year-olds that, you Todd know, Frazier. are way past. Hey, but his <laughs> Todd Frazier, just remember. Right in the locker room. Yeah, right just, just, room, just remember, Pete Alonzo wouldn't have hit that home run if it wasn't for uh, Todd Frazier. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Chris? And I'll let Sean wrap it up. So, Chris, a um, year from today. Second in the division. Whether that whether they keep the the current, I don't think they're gonna. I, I mean, I think they want to keep the current playoffs situation with two, each division gets two teams and then there's two wild cards. If they keep whether or not they keep that, I think they're making the playoffs either as a second NL East team or as one of the wild card teams, um, depending on how the the playoffs are set up next year. And I think I I, I think they'll they'll probably lose in the NLDS. I think they have too many holes to fill to really like seriously compete um but i i think that i think they'll make some noise and yeah i think second second in the division this division's good but really outside of the braves i don't like they they even those last couple of years when they haven't been that great they've consistently been able to beat the phillies and the nationals and the marlins and so as long as they can you know compete against the braves i think they'll, they'll they're good for second in the division soon wrap us up Chris said pretty much exactly what I was going to say. I think they'll finish around like around 80, like mid to high 80s, maybe even low 90s in wins. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they'll, I think, I think they, I think they'll make the playoffs. I don't want to say definitely, but they, like assuming they make the moves that are going to make the team better that we think that, that we think they will and should, I think they'll, I think they'll at least be the, uh, second place in the in the NL East, make it make it to the NLDS, and if they make it to the playoffs and they have like any time Degrom's on the mound, you're, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume they're they're gonna win. And like pitching pitching wins in the playoffs, as we've all seen, if they if they're if they're able to get a rotation that consists of Degrom, 
Syndergaard, hopefully if he comes back to – hopefully he comes back to form that, like, we all hope he does. Stro- and whether it be Strowman, Bauer, whoever, like, if you have a top three of, of those three guys, I would feel pretty confident about the Mets in any, in any playoff series against anyone. Yeah. So, as we send it off into post-production, I'm just going to say this. I at least have some hope. Are we you know, on? You know what I wanted to say before too. One of the one of the one of the things I'm most hopeful for for with Cohen buying a team is that like he like hopefully they'll actually build City Field into like a, like a baseball destination like how Wrigleyville is and get rid of all the chop shops. I'm, but the chop shop, Sean. They had so much pizzazz. You don't like walking down dark streets that don't have any lights on them, that have potholes the size of hand grenades, with cars that are stripped for parts out on the sidewalk, or pre or pre gaming underneath an, uh, an overpass. Pre gaming under with, the with, overpass is the way to be, Sean. With ho- I, I, with homeless people next to us. Oh yeah, okay, come it, on, don't don't knock the culture. No, I see that. Field <laughs> City field culture. Is all we have is McF- all we have is McFadden's. I want more. Oh, I. I like drinking under the overpass. I'll be honest. With I you. do too, but I want like, <laughs> a little bit more. Well, when society goes back to normal, we will go to a good Mets tailgate for a four o'clock Saturday game where we will get there at one o'clock. We will pregame for three hours and then we will go into the game and then we will go out in Manhattan afterwards. When society is back, Sean, we're going to fucking make it happen. On as that Bar- note, as Bar Scott said, can't wait. <laughs> That's a good way to end it. We'll see you guys next time. Go Mets! Let's go Mets!